Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 7. This is Solomon speaking about the office that he's about to enter into after his father, and he says, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And this morning I'm going to preach a message to you and it is so on target that I would have, I, even I would have a hard time botching it. The devotional today, the worship service today, if you don't see this, you're blind. But here's the title. I won't sit down till he comes. I won't sit down until he comes. God bless you. You may be seated. I know that it's a belated 4th of July, but happy 4th of July to all of you. Thank God for the wonderful country that we live in. It's not perfect, but it's the best thing going. And it is a privilege to live in this country and a responsibility to pray for it and for its leaders Can I get an amen? Praise God. But I don't want to break the spirit here because it flows right into this message. And you're going to wonder how I'm going to tie this together, but if you bear with me for a few minutes, I believe you'll be blessed this morning. I have been mentored, which is just another word for prepared, by many men in my life, and I... I am not giving them credit. I am going to make a point with the mentoring process that I have been through. Life is about change. It's been said that the older you get, the less you like change. That's not true with me. I'm not afraid of change. I like change. Matter of fact, maybe it's in my genes. My mother when we were growing up, would change the living room completely around every week. This couch is going to be here this week. Next week, the couch will be over there. The TV will be there. She just, she moved everything all the time. She was just so restless that she had to change the room all the time. Drove the rest of us crazy. Some of us sat where there was no chair because she'd moved it again. Change. Change is inevitable. You cannot escape change. You start out as a child. That's what Solomon was talking about. He said, I'm just, I'm just a child. I'm just a servant. Did you notice that the words servant and king were ne- next to each other in that verse? I- I've just been a servant, and, and now you expect me to be a king? Why, I don't even know when to come in and when to go out. I'm just, I'm just a child. I don't understand the politics. I don't understand the ethics. I don't understand anything. I don't 
understand why you'd ever want me to be king. But change is inevitable. We, we go from being a child to being a teenager, even if it's in the number of years that doesn't catch up with the fact that you're supposed to be more responsible as a teenager. But years will even dictate change. A child, a teenager, a young adult, midlife, senior citizens, changes are coming. They're inevitable and and you can't stop them. But you need to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to accept change as a part of life. As you become a senior citizen, oh, you'll really notice the changes. What was once easy is much more difficult now. That's, That's just the way it's gonna be. But change can be a good thing. Change can be for the better. And I'm gonna show you how for for a few minutes this morning. The first mentor I really had in in the ministry was Pastor Frank Tamil. Pastor Tamil recognized a calling on my life, wouldn't let me go to Bible school, offered me a three-year apprenticeship. Said if you're gonna be a pastor, you cannot be a specialist, you must be a general practitioner. That means you need to know something about everything. So what I'm gonna do over this three-year period, I thought, boy, now I'm gonna get to preach. Because he said I got this apprenticeship. Oh no, the last year I was at Parkway, I spoke one time for eight minutes in the entire year. I thought that preaching was so important that that I'd I'd be preaching a lot more, but that, that wasn't what he trained me in. He said, we're going to start here, Rick. You are, from this day forward, a Sunday school teacher. You're going to teach children. When the time is right, I will come back to you, and you will run the Sunday school department. Rick, you're going to work on the bus ministry. And when the time is right, you're going to run the bus ministry. And that's what he did. He taught me to be a servant and to learn the working part of things before we learned about the ruling part of things. He taught me to be a servant. He said, if you're going to be a good leader, you will have to first become a great follower. I'm giving you stuff today that's worth writing down. If you want to be a good, a good leader, I didn't say a great leader. I said a good leader, you'll have to become a great follower. He said to us that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Wow, that's profound. That's why you and I are in the church today. We're just ordinary people. That's why he chose fishermen. That's why he chose tax collectors. Look what God can do with a prostitute and a woman that has seven demons. But he qualified her. He called her. And she responded to his calling. The second man that, he, that brought, God brought into my life in ministry was David Norris, 
those of you that don't know, Brother Norris is a brainiac. The guy just has an incredible mind. He's written all these oneness books. I mean, he's just a genius. But back when we moved to Oconomowoc, he moved to West Bend at the same time. West Bend and Oconomowoc started at the same time, which meant Brother Norris and I started our pastoring at the same time. And because he had such a strong background in Sunday school, he recruited me to be on the sectional team for Sunday school. He said, always look for people with potential. It won't always work out, but surround yourself with people that have potential. He didn't stay very long, and then he took off. And then I ended up being the Sunday school director. Again, the pattern is still the same. First you're a servant, then you're a leader. And Abundant Life at that time, for the next eight years, Abundant Life pretty much ran the junior camp and the family camp services. I wonder how many today, at one time or another, served in any capacity in the Sunday school department in either junior camp or family camp services in any capacity. Raise your hand if you would. Look at the number of people that are still here. And you know why we did it? We did it for God and we did it for children. And it was a lot of work. And people gave up their vacations to be at camp so they could work. We were working. And then we'd come back home, right? Uh, the biggest part of the group was right in this area. And then we would come home from that work and we'd be completely exhausted and wore out. And people would come up to us and say, how'd you enjoy your vacation? How'd you like staying up all night? Mosquito bites. Sniveling noses, crying children. How'd, how'd you enjoy your vacation? But we loved it. We did it for kids, and a lot of those kids are in the church today. That's, that's what Brother Norris taught. And that's where I first got in trouble, too. By the way, I'm just gonna ramble here a little bit. But that's where I got in trouble, because you see, I got elected to be the Sunday school director in April, and in July, June and July, the camps come. So that means we've gotta put a, a cooking staff, kitchen staff together, teachers, dorms, set up the campground, I mean, it is a ton of work. And so I'm scrambling, fanatically, grabbing people. We had Pat Carlson put together crews and, and, and they fed everybody. And, and all of a sudden, I got a phone call. You have been summoned to appear before the district board. So I go to the district board. I sit on the end of the table, they're all lined up on the sides and at the head, and they're all glaring at me. And, they, and the district superintendent said, what in the world do you think you're doing? I said, well, I think I'm getting ready for camp. He said, who gave you this authority to go and recruit all of these people? You haven't contacted their pastors. It, you didn't ask us about any of this stuff. You just went and did it. I said, well, that's my job. And, 
and, and they were on me, man. And pretty soon, I got to admit it, I was in the spirit with a small s. And I was getting a little angry. I thought, wait a minute. I'm giving all this time. I'm doing all this work. And you guys are supposed to help me, and instead you're coming at me. And my presbyter, Brother Sisko, bless his heart, reached over and put his hand on my arm, and he said, Brother Kylie and I need a break. And he took me out in the hallway, and he, and he gave me some really, really good advice. He said, always remember this, Brother Kylie, and you all need to remember this. An office is a place to serve from, not to rule from. An office is a place to serve from, not to rule from. I suggest you go back in there and with humility tell them, I don't have a clue as to what I'm doing. I have received no job description, no orientation. I was just doing what I thought I had to do. And I did exactly what my presbyter told me to do. And it saved me. And they backed, all of them backed, oh yeah, you know what, Brother Kylie, you're right. We didn't give you a job description. Now I learned that job descriptions are important. See, my ministry is growing. And I learned that orientation is important because we cannot assume that everybody knows what you know. Can I get an amen? And so I, I, I'm learning about training. And then, and then another curveball comes. We got the biggest name in Pentecost. And I'm not going to mention his name. But the biggest name in Pentecost in Sunday school is coming to our camp and it's going to be great. I mean, we're going to have this seminar and all the teachers from all around the state, they're all going to come. Big name, big gun. And it was 1988. And at the last minute, he called me up and he said, Brother Kylie, I ain't coming. And I said, well, you better have a good reason. He said, I got 88 reasons. Why I ain't coming. The Lord's coming back. And there's 88 reasons why he's coming back in 1988. He didn't come. I got to be with my church. So I called my district superintendent. I said, Brother Grant, we just lost our big gun. You're up. You're the district superintendent. You're the biggest name in the district. We got no time to do anything else. You got to do this. He said, I ain't doing it. He said, you're the Sunday school director. Young kid, 10 years in the ministry. No experience with all these big names. And Brother Grant puts that on me. He said, when you hold the office... When you hold the office, you have the anointing. And God will use you. That's from my superintendent. That's from my authority. So you know what I did? <laughs> I did what my superintendent told me to do. 
and it worked out. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're in over your head. I can't do this. There's other people that can do it better. But when you're in that position, you have the anointing. Somebody said amen. You have the anointing. See, it's a man, it's, it's a, the mantle represents the anointing. It's just a cloak. That's all it is. But it represents the anointing that God puts on your life in ministry. And you will be able to do things like Superman and his cape. Because God has given you the anointing. If you don't have the anointing, you should be afraid. But if you have the anointing, as promised by God, you can get the job done. After eight years of serving as a Sunday school director, I just, I felt my time was up. I had used up my ideas. I, I, I was drained, and I just felt it was time for somebody else to step into that office and someone else became the next Sunday school director. And for a season, I just came back to abundant life and did what I was told to do and, and tr tried to follow the leading of the Spirit and, and, it, and it was all good until the third man came. And this time it was my good friend Mike Schmaltz. Mike Schmaltz was 10 years younger than I was. He was doing a tremendous job with, we called it home missions at the time, now they call it North American missions. And he said, hey Rick, he said, could I convince you, Brother Tamil's gonna step off of the home missions board, can I convince you to, to come on and take his place? And I called Brother Tamil and talked with him and, and he said he wanted me to do it as well, so out of respect to those two men, I became a sectional rep. I learned to serve again. And Brother Schmaltz taught me this. He said, home missions is where you get to mentor the ministers. And abundant life has a rich history of growing ministers. And I heard it again at family camp this year about a man who had a vision for a thousand. He said, my vision is that one day this church will run a thousand. And that was the same vision I had. I don't see a thousand people here. But if you could see all the ministers that have left here and started other churches and are, and are still doing great works for God, I'll bet we'd be pretty close. See, God is real good at keeping score. And if you're willing to release people, God is willing to give people. If you're willing to release people, God is willing to give people. It's what we call the catch and release program. Catch and release. And so Brother Schmaltz, um, asked me to do that and then I did that for a while and then of course he got cancer and then I became the home missions director. Again, the pattern is the same. First you're a servant, 
before you're a leader and you never forget what you've learned as a servant. And I remember that, uh, that there came a time there as well recently where I felt my time was up. And I remember when they elected a new home missions director, I was in a uh, district conference service and I was on this side and I felt something in that service leave me. I'm not exaggerating. I just felt like something that was inside of my torso just left me. And there was a a vacancy. And I said, God, what just happened to me? And God said, I just took your anointing and I gave it to that man right there. And that man was the new North American Missions director. And I didn't feel bad about it either. I felt less responsibility But if you have not been here for a long time, I know I'm not preaching right now. I'll preach in a little bit. But if you've been here for any length of time and you've ever come to me and you've said, you know what, Brother Kylie, my time is up. I've never argued. But I've said, if God has told you that your time is up, what new direction has he given you? Where is he directing you next? because he never directs us to sit. He doesn't want us to be spectators. He wants us to be participants. Can I get an amen? And so that's how that ended. And our ministries, just as our physical lives change, our ministries can change. And now I take a look Backwards. That's why the Bible says the old men have dreams and the young men have visions. Because the old men, they can remember the past. Past events very well. And and what I'm doing now, even this morning in the last 15 minutes, is I have reminisced to you. I have told you about some of the things that happened in my life so that hopefully you'd be able to take something from this and say, now I know why God was doing what he was doing with me in my life. Now I know what God is doing in my ministry. Now I know what God wants me to do next, and it's not the end. It's not the end. It's not the end. It's a change. It's a change, and change is necessary. And... I want to preach to you with the remaining time that I have from 1 Samuel chapter 16. So if you'd like to turn there for a minute. The change that takes place in our lives. Now, while you're turning there, I can tell you that Saul rebelled against God by not doing exactly what he was told to do. In the previous chapter, Samuel told him, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. You have rejected the word of the Lord. God has rejected you from being king. You are no longer king. 
You were more concerned about your approval ratings. What percentage of the people will sing your praises if you make this decision or that? And so because the people wanted you to, to allow the sacrifices of others rather than their own, you went with them and you turned against God. So now you're out. So Samuel makes it appear that he's going to make a sacrifice at Jesse's house. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 6. It came to pass when they were come, Jesse had his boys lined up, that he, and in, in order of age, that he looked on Eliab, which was the oldest, and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I'm gonna stop here, because I wanna be sure that you understand what this verse is saying. Samuel walks up to Eliab and thinks, hey, this, this is the guy, look at this guy, he's big, he's strong, he's wise, he's the oldest. You know, he must be the guy. And God said, nope, he ain't the guy. He said, you're looking with your eyes at the outward, but I can look at the heart. And people misuse this scripture all the time. They say, see, God doesn't look on the outward. He only looks at the heart. Hold on, that's not what this said. It's saying that God can do what man can't do. Man only looks on the outside because he can't see the heart, but God has the ability to see both. You think that God doesn't care how you look? Are you kidding me? Do you care how your wife looks? Come on now, this is not deep. I saw you jumping and shouting during the worship service. How about during the preaching of the word? How about getting behind the word of God and, and saying, yeah, that's right. Thank you for that. I'm going to write that down next time somebody says, well, God doesn't care how you look. I'm going to remember what I learned in church. God not only sees the heart, he sees the outward. And he cares about it. If we're the bride of Christ, we ought to care about the way that we appear on his behalf as the bride of Christ. We represent the church in the earth. You don't believe it? I'm going to get ahead of myself. How about Revelations chapter 19? He dresses the bride, fine linen, right? Why would he do that if he doesn't look on the outside? You could have won any popularity contest here today. Looks on the heart. Huh. So, Romans chapter 12, let me read this to you. I beseech you, therefore... Beseech means I'm begging. I'm begging you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your hearts. Is that what it says? How about your minds? How about your feelings? 
How about your bodies? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Not a dead one, not a crucified one, but a living sacrifice. And the first thing he lists is holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then offers a warning. And don't let the world set the standard. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what God wants in his bride. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they that measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves among themselves are not wise. You know what that means to me? I am accountable to God for Rick Kiley. I'm not accountable for Rob Meyer, Dave Zielinski. I am accountable for me. I need to work out my own salvation with fear, that means reverence, and trembling. Nothing matters more to me than I making heaven and being with Jesus. Nothing, nothing else matters more than that. And if you don't live up to my standard, I'm not gonna change my standard. I've got a standard. I've got not, not only a standard is something that is scriptural, I've got convictions, those are personal. And they may not be the same. The convictions may not be the same. The standard should be because they're based on the word of God. This is really good preaching. I just... But convictions are something that God speaks to me about. And he may not speak to you about it. And I, I man, I could preach a whole message on that, but I really want to get to the meat here. So don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Oh boy, they're not, they're not dressing right. They're not doing what's right. So I'm really upset. I don't know if I can go to that church anymore. What is wrong with you? Why are you measuring yourself with somebody else, comparing yourself to some, Why don't you just look in the mirror and say, God, whatever you want, just tell me. Show me in your word. Show me in the spirit. I don't care what anybody else does. I know what I need to do. And I'm going to do that. And they can work out what they need to do. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I think I finally made one point here. So he goes along. And he keeps Martin. There's seven boys lined up here. And he keeps going along. Lord, is this the one? The Lord said, no. And he goes all the way to the seven. He thinks when he gets to number seven, this has got to be it. I mean, this is the last of the boys. And the Lord said, that's not the one. And he said, Jesse, do you have any other sons? Well, yeah, I got this kid. I mean, he's just, he's a ruddy 
kid, all he ever does is sing songs and talk to the sheep. I mean, he certainly is not going to be a king. Listen to this here. Here's the key one. And he says, you go and fetch him. And you bring him back here because we're not sitting down till he comes. And I thought about this. This is what God gave me. I don't know how far David was from his family. What if it was, what if it was miles? I mean, you just don't jump in the car and 10 minutes later you're back from a 20-mile trip. What if it takes hours? What if it, what if it took the better part of a day? Because Samuel, the man of God, said, we can't sit down till you get David back here. And here's why. Because you never sit in the presence of royalty. When the bride comes in at a wedding, you shouldn't have to be told to stand up. You should know that. If the, if the governor were to come to our service and there was an introduction that the governor is here, whether you like him or not, you stand up. That's the governor. If the president of the United States, do you know they have a guy that stands at the back of the room anytime the president enters a room? His job is to say these words, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States of America. They know what to do, whether they like him or not. They stand up. This kid, this kid is going to be the next king. And the man of God has the oil to anoint him. And so he says, now that we know who the next king is, we are not going to be caught being seated when he arrives. Now you can start preaching. Go ahead, preach in your mind. You know, I, I used to be a worshiper, but I'm older now. I'm more seasoned, experienced, spiritual. So I don't need to get all excited. I might have a heart attack. What a way to go! What were you doing when you died? I was worshiping God! <laughs> you know those prayer meetings? I used to go to those. Man, I can remember, Brother Matson, I can remember we had all night prayer meetings. Prayer meeting tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Two and four on Mondays, one and three on Fridays. 
Or are we going to sit in our easy boy recliner and watch TV? I can remember home Bible study night. At least one night of evangelism. We got to have one night of evangelism. One night. Come on, one night. Surely we can set aside one night to, even if we're not teaching a Bible study, to get together with somebody that needs fellowship. Oh, no, we don't do that here. Wednesday night, that's it. Don't ask for more than that. We are a sitting church. Giving. Well, I don't need to say a lot about that, do I? Do we still give cheerfully as unto the Lord? Are we still faithful in our giving, not only of our finances, but of our time? Would, would we give of ourselves at the altar and, and go and pray with people like we once did? What are you saying, Brother Kylie? I'm saying for me, maybe a, let me pull a, a, a Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We are not sitting down until he comes. We're not sitting down until he comes. And you have to answer this question for yourselves. And you know what? I could preach on this for 15 minutes, easy, and completely ruin this message. Because if you haven't got what I just said, that we are not going to be a sitting church. And if you're a senior citizen and I'm in your group, we're not going to be a sitting senior citizen group. One of the reasons that, that God allowed me to work with North American Missions was so that I'd get a burden for mentoring people. I have a burden, a calling, my wife and I, to mentor as many men and women as we can with the days that we have left in our lives. That's not gonna change. The calling for teaching home Bible studies, it's still there. Winning the lost is premium in my life. And worship and prayer and praise and giving and all those things, none of that's gonna change. That doesn't change. I gotta read this to you and then I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop, I promise. We will sing hallelujah till you come again. That's what we sang. We'll dance in your presence till you come again. Hmm. Really? Amen. That's what I want to hear. Amen. We mean what we sing. It's not just a tune. It's not just a tune. David, David was disappointed. Let's stand together. David was disappointed. He came to Samuel and he said, Samuel, I'm done with this tabernacle thing. I, how about a temple? I want to build a temple. 
for God. And Samuel said, well, I'd, I have to ask God. He hasn't given me a word on that. I said, and David said, okay, you go ask. And Samuel came back to David and he said, David, God said you can't. You got blood on your hands. You're a man of war. God said you can't. I can't build the temple. I'm so disappointed. I'm just telling you what God said, David. David thought about it a little bit and he said, did God say I couldn't pay for it? Well, no, he didn't say that. Did God say I couldn't get some skilled laboring teams on notice for when the next king builds the temple? Samuel said, no. No, he didn't say that either. He said, then that's what I'll do. You see, God might not always let you have what you ask for. But if your attitude stays right, it will still happen. Even if it's not you that gets the nameplate. Jesus, I pray today for this church, starting with Rick Kiley. If you're going to make changes in my life, go right ahead. You're the boss. Make me a servant. Change whatever needs to be changed. Just keep your anointing on my life. Your calling. Make what you want me to do crystal clear. Even if it's not what I want to do, if you say no to me, I'll find something else, Lord. I'll get involved. I'll give of myself, my time, my finances. But I will not sit down until you come. I will not sit down. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.